This episode of the CZ Media Podcast is brought to you by Rancho Bravo Tacos. They have two convenient locations, Capitol Hill and Wallingford. I love going to Capitol Hill. I'll go order my food, whether it be tacos, burritos, or tamal. I love their tamales. They're fantastic. And then I'll go sit on the patio, enjoy my meal, and then wait for something interesting to happen. And given that it's Capitol Hill, something interesting always happens. If you don't have time to go to either location, you can always order through your favorite food ordering app, Uber Eats, Caviar, or Chow Now. They make it really easy to get all of your favorite items. So next time you're craving some delicious Mexican food, stop in or order. You'll be glad you did. podcast um the last show was about uh, my wife has been on the show a couple of times now love it she'd been wanting to be on and i didn't avoid it but i hadn't uh been proactive about it so she did two shows ago she was on for the first time and then we decided that we should do another show about our favorite show which the, is <laughs> the 90 day fiance what do you watch those no no oh okay you need to you first you should go and listen to our show definitely so the learning channel tlc (laughs) right has this group of shows called 90 day fiance and there's a few iterations of them Uh the one that we're the one that we recorded about was called 90 day fiance the other way and the whole premise (laughs) of the show is that you uh, um, people who live here in the U.S. fall in love with people who live abroad, and then they either have had little in-person contact, like mm-hmm. they barely know each other, right? But there's like, I gotta marry this person. So then the person from the other country comes to the U.S., and then the premise is that they have because you can only be in the U.S. for ninety days Does as a ha- tourist or whatever, that you have ninety days to decide if you're gonna get married. And then if you get married, then the K-1 visa process starts. Okay. So the, that's the whole premise of the show is people coming over, uh, people coming over and then figuring out if they actually want to get married. That sounds exhausting. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I would say 90% of these people met on some sort of app. I'm sure. But the 90-day fiancé the other way is... The other way is when Americans fall in love with people from other countries and then they go. So, for example, there's there's a couple uh, women that have fallen in love with guys in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. One of them is in Qatar and the other one is in Tunisia. So then they go, they go over there and their plan is to marry the dudes and then live there. Another woman went to Nigeria, South Korea. Ecuador, Britain. I mean, Britain, that's not necessarily nuts, but it's just funny. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. 
<laughs> so I called it our guilty pleasure. I've our got gu- a lot of those. <laughs> Which ones? Oh, well, I mean, I don't want to stop talking about the 90 Day Fiance because I'm fascinated by it. But I have a lot of guilty pleasures, too, when it comes to reality TV. Um, I'm more interested in the uh, reality TV where there's like a competition aspect, which is probably why I've never heard of uh, 90 Day Fiance, but I'm definitely intrigued. Um, so I'm uh, and, and I like when there's some sort of artistic uh, twist to it. So like the ultimate end all be all for me of guilty pleasures is RuPaul's Drag Race. I've watched like every season at least yeah. four or five there's times. There's been a lot of them, isn't there? Uh, 11 seasons and then uh, four all-star seasons. Uh, and more more to come. Okay. I, I Anyway. I've seen commercials for the show, but I don't actually know what it's about. Um, oh, well, it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's basically RuPaul uh, is searching for the next drag superstar. Oh, so, okay. The, so it's a competition. The title does say it all. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's not an actual drag race like a car race, but uh, a drag race of queens. So it is all... Uh, drag stars that want to be even more famous. Exactly. So it's not like a, I don't, a person who is not that is going to be. It's someone that already is and then just wants to go up on the ladder of yeah, drag kind of yeah. It's a uh, fame. Yeah, I mean people that uh, queens that have kind of created their own uh, fandom on either social media or in their local. Uh, hometowns here in Seattle. Oh, Jinx, okay. Jinx Monsoon's one of the big ones. She ended up winning one of the seasons. Spoiler alert. Is Sorry. she from around here? She's from Seattle, yeah. Oh, okay. That was yeah. my next question is, is, are there any Seattle people? Um, yeah, there's been a few of them over the years, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, Jinx, Jinx Monsoon, Ben de la Creme, uh, Robbie Turner, Magnolia Crawford. Some did better than others. Hmm. So were they, are they known around here? Like if oh, you yeah. go to, so there's like, oh, that's, so then there's that, connection of saying hey that's super cool we've seen them at you know at uh, barca lounge and then now they're on this tv show yeah absolutely that's cool so yeah that's uh that's kind of what the show is all about it's uh uh drag queens that have made a name for themselves in their hometown or on social media but uh want to take that next level and right. be recognized on a global scale okay uh but it's a really fun show in terms of uh they have to be jacks of all trade. That's what I find so fascinating yeah. about it. They have to know how to create the perfect wig, do the makeup, yeah. make their own costumes. But they then make there's their also, own wigs? Uh, well, I mean, style them, yeah. You, okay. Uh, so I'm sure some of them make their own. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's also the uh, the added element of performance. They have to lip sync. They have to sing live. They have to do comedy roasts. They have to do stand-up comedy. They have to act in uh, fake movies, uh, yeah. pilots. and uh, so That's a lot. A little bit of everything. They have to dance. They have to sing, act perform hmm. okay I'll so have it's pretty to, fun i'll have to check that out i'll have to check that out because it does because you're right the competitive part of it but because there's a whole bunch of actual talent that goes behind that yeah that i dig that yeah like i don't i think there's too many singing shows i get there, bored with the singing shows uh yeah i agree with that uh, and then now they they have that new singing show where they dress up like like Oh, the anime stars, like yeah. anime cartoons. And then they try to guess the oh, the ma- is it called like the mask? Yeah, the mask singer. Yeah. Like that does not appeal at all. No, not not to me either. Uh, yeah. But there's just yeah, there's like I stopped watching the American Idol and the voice like a whole long time ago. Same. It's like I'm bored. Yeah. I don't need another one. But um, have two people that barely know each other try to decide if they're going to get married. 
<laughs> Bingo, you got me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely hooked. intrigued. Yeah, so that was our guilty pleasure show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today on the show I have, so this whole show, what I want to do, uh, Jonathan, is just highlight the cool stuff and the interesting stuff that happens in Seattle. Okay. So the my library of shows so far have been musicians, artists, business owners, TV personalities. Uh, do you watch Evening Magazine? Um, I have sort of semi been on it at one point. Ooh! But I never watched it. <laughs> well, that's cool. I should. I don't. I don't have cable. I just have like Netflix. Hulu. No, that's a free channel. Oh, it is. Well, if you have the uh, bunny ears. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. They. I think they probably stream. <laughs> you should get the bunny ears. You get free. Uh, a few free channels. All right. I'll look into it. And then you're. I look good uh, in bunny ears. <laughs> your neighbors will say, <laughs> what is this, 1965? Yeah. <laughs> no, so um, Evening Magazine has uh, a, well, she's not new anymore. Uh, Ellen Many. She she's a writer and produces. Uh, she was on, she's been on the show a couple of times. So this that's like what I want to do is just show people how cool, what cool things happen in, 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 in the city, in Seattle. It. There's a lot of it. So there is and i wish that more of them would want to talk to me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i reached out to a bunch of i'm all more you need people. carlos okay, well i I'm agree just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that my wife and i well Lori and i absolutely love and mm-hmm. uh is wine and wine tasting and going on wine based and themed trips and what we've been doing is joining wine clubs and some wine clubs well obviously they're all different but we sent we we tend to really really like the clubs that do cool fun stuff and uh, I don't, maybe i'm saying this incorrectly but there are definitely some wineries that cater towards an older audience maybe i would agree with that that uh yeah so like their activities are a little bit more uh yeah well not for the old people well true (laughs) Lori and i aren't quite there yet (laughs) no so we found nine hats and they like even just looking before we joined just looking at all the fun stuff that they offered Lori and i were like that's super cool like there's we've been looking for a place that we could go and hang out uh have fun stuff and, and 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 not sort of be in that uh you know, two or three level up age group <laughs> with the uh, with the with the uh, with the people who normally go. So we found nine hats and Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, that's me. Works at the works for nine hats. So I thought it would be super mm. cool to have him in so we can talk about the goings on of his of uh, what he does at at the at nine hats. And if he has any cool stories about wine tasting, because. Lori and I tend to meet lots of interesting people, like maybe some weird stuff happens, but usually really cool <laughs> things to talk about. So um, thank you for being on. Oh, of course. This is fun. What, I'm excited. Uh, have, how long have you been with, with Nine Hats? Oh, let's see. So uh, I'm originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, born and raised there, grew up Mormon. Uh, you're not. Is that why you're wearing other- your white shirt today? And, and black flags. Yep, I'm I'm here to <laughs> here to preach the word. No, I uh, uh, 
yeah, that, that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I uh, just came to the realization that wasn't for me. I yeah. left the church, came out of the closet um, and was uh, doing theater. I was an actor. I was a performer Ooh. on stage in Utah for 15 years or so um, at a college level and then a professional level. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I, I just got to the point where uh, I, I needed a change. Um, I was working a full time job in Salt Lake. And uh, going straight from that to rehearsals and the job was a job that I did not care mm. for. Um, and That's so a lot of work, though. Full time. I is. mean, job and doing and rehearsal, rehearsals, rehearsals and performances. Yeah. What's your favorite? So well, I'll, I'll I'll interrupt. What's oh, your what was your favorite part that I've ever played? Yeah. Uh, there's one role that I always tell people if I could play it for the rest of my life, I would. And if I could get paid for it and just do it until the end of time I'd be happy and that's uh for those that are familiar with uh Sondheim's masterpiece Into the Woods which oh. they made a movie of about five or six years ago with Meryl Streep uh and James Corden uh, but it's uh the role of the baker which is the role that James Corden played in the movie oh um, well the the movie sounds familiar but I'm not familiar with the story um it's uh, uh there's a lot to it um it's the title into the woods is basically uh going into the woods is kind of a metaphor for going into life uh but it's all these different fairy tales you've got little red riding hood you've got jack and the beanstalk cinderella rapunzel all of these characters that are going into the woods and they kind of hmm. crisscross and intermingle and it sounds like this little children's story but right. there's a lot of depth and a lot of heart to the show um and uh, a lot of discussion about the importance of teaching children at a young age um, to be good and uh, also um, lessons about greed and how that gets you nowhere. And uh, it's it's just a beautiful story okay. and a beautiful metaphor of going through life. Anyway, I'll add that to my to my list. I'll have to check that out. Do. But I so would recommend seeing the original Broadway production that they have on film over the movie. It's okay. much better. Anyway. So, so you dug the baker. What uh, what draws you to the baker? Um, oh man, all these questions. Let's see. Um, he's, he's, uh, we're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, I refer to myself as kind of a, a uh, introverted extrovert. Mm -hmm. I've um, heard of that a lot so often lately. Uh, and I kind of see that in him. Uh, he's, he's just, a. uh, and I guess I shouldn't say this after I'm saying that I see a lot of myself in him, but he's just a good person uh, that wants good <laughs> things for people. And uh, he. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This, like this the question. positivity is, 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 is attracted to the positivity to the. Uh, yeah. Empathy, um, maybe by how you describe that empathetic and genuine. Uh, sincere, caring about others, maybe? Yes, uh, definitely empathetic, uh, hardworking, sincere. Um, just, just a, He's just a good guy. And mm -hmm. it's just interesting to see the the character journey that he goes on in the show. Okay. Um, and there's there's the high points, the low points. It's Well, anyway. If, uh, if a theater group in the area starts, to, uh, wants to, is going to cast for that, are you going to throw your hat in the ring? You know what? This actually is a good tie-in back to uh, Nine Hats. Um, no, I'm not. Uh, the whole reason that I moved out here to Seattle uh, was to step away from theater. Oh. Um, I love it. It's still an integral part of my life. I watch the Tony Awards every year. I listen to musicals all the time. Um, I go see plays when I can. But I, I in Salt Lake, just got burnt out with mm. 
with theater because of my full-time job kind of bleeding into that. Yeah. I, I always called it my soul-sucking office job. Right. Um, Did you sell insurance? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I worked at a, I worked at a convention center, um, but uh, uh, in the in the offices there. But uh, yeah, it just it kind of bled into my performance, and I wasn't happy doing that. I mm. needed a change, and I knew that the other uh, passion that I was interested in uh, was wine, and I. So I thought about moving to California. I thought about moving to Oregon, um, thought about moving to Washington. And uh, I had originally settled on Oregon because I had gone there five or six years ago and fell in love with the uh, Oregon wine right. world out there. But um, I had two very good friends of mine that lived in Seattle that contacted me and said, oh. hey, if you're thinking of moving up here, you can come crash with us for the right. first little bit. Uh, and I, at that point, had never even been to Seattle. I'd oh, never been to Washington. <laughs> Well, At least I think so. <laughs> I love Portland, but I do love it here. I love them equally. Although it's, I mean, I'm sure that it, like the most big cities have a big theater program, but like if you went, if you moved here to sort of get away, not well, you said get away from theater, you like you went to another place where there's huge theater. I did, I did, and I was okay <laughs> with that. I, I and I was okay with that because I knew that I would still want to go see theater and see good theater. Yeah. So this was kind of a comfortable spot for that too. Is I've, like it's there I've got all that, but yeah, I'm still I'm still not, not quite ready to jump back in the ring yet. Ooh, that would be that would be fun. Still, I was in two plays. Yeah, uh, I was the murderer in uh, Agatha Christie's uh, Mousetrap. It's a good one. And I was a st- uh, I was a uh, just like an extra. And Neil Simon's The Window? That I'm not familiar with, but I love Neil Simon. It's The Window, I think. Well, anyways, Laurie co-directed both of those, and mm-hmm. I was the stage manager of both of those shows. So the director was like, hey, why don't you just, uh, I need these little, little extra part. parts. Yeah. But being the murderer was cool. Yeah. They put on the scream mask on me, and I got to strangle a lady. Yeah. Always a good time, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. So you've always loved wine. You've always dug wine. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know a thing about it growing up Mormon mm-hmm. until uh, around 2009, 2010, uh, actually. Um, and I started to get interested in it back in Utah, drinking wine with friends. We would do little like tastings. We mm-hmm. would look up the like the little um, breakdown sheet that uh, sommeliers oh. use in their test. To- so you got discuss the tannins and the body and the alcohol. Yeah. Um, And I found uh, the Wine Bible by Karen McNeil, which is an excellent resource. uh, And I still use it all the time Hmm. Um, and just kind of read through that like a like a novel. Um, And yeah, just got into it and then uh, decided back around 2013, 2014 that eventually I wanted to try my hand at just working in a tasting room, pouring Hmm. wine, experiencing that. But so that really do that in Utah. So. Yeah, yeah, I never, uh, I never, no, I never really had any any interest in uh, uh, trying to make wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get a, a, a little taste of what it's like uh, when I worked for another awesome winery here in Washington called Robert Ramsey Cellars. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped manage their tasting room in Woodenville, uh, which is also their production facility. So I helped. Oh, okay. Uh, Casey Cobble, the winemaker who's no longer with them, uh, she's moved on, but uh, was able to help 
her with a few things. Yeah. And when they say that blood, sweat, and tears goes into oh, yeah. winemaking, they don't mean that in the metaphoric <laughs> no. way. They literally mean it's a lot of work. Blood, sweat, and tears literally go into right. it. I was like dripping sweat and bleeding through blisters and crying during punch downs. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a but, it's a whole lot of work. It's it's yeah, it's farming and harvesting and yeah, it's pretty heavy duty stuff. And then there's it's not the, as glamorous as people think it is. Right. I mean, they just see the winemaker opening a barrel and then putting a dropper in there. <laughs> yeah. Like, but tasting it, everything that goes beyond that, and then how and it can all that, just goes yeah. so wrong so quick. Oh yeah. It's the it's 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 a science, but throw a wrench in there, in any part of the the step. And then your whole yield is gone. Yep. And then you're out of business, probably. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway. So, yeah, that was never that was never on the radar for me. It was always just working in the service industry. Yeah. Enjoying or... the, the results of it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And I do. What's your, what's your, did you, has your wine palette evolved from when you started to now? Has it changed drastically? In terms of, like, what I like? Yeah. Like, uh, what you dig? Uh... Yes, but not in a way that like I liked one thing and then completely switched over to like another thing. Um, I more so my I would say my palate has changed just because I've been able. There's so many different grape varietals up here in Washington. Yeah, uh, and working in the industry, you meet so many people that uh, work for distributors, etc. So there are also opportunities to taste old world wines from right. Europe. All, so having being that close and having that much access to so many different types of wine, um, I wouldn't say has changed my palate from like liking one grape to another, but just from liking a limited amount of experience to gotcha. lots of different ones. I, I uh, started out being a huge Pinot Noir fan, hmm. uh, and I still tell people to this day, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are my two top picks. If I had to pick one red and one white, those okay. are my go-tos. Don't judge. I see <laughs> your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I still stick to those. But uh, I also, at that time, always told people I wasn't a huge fan of Syrah or I wasn't a huge fan of Petite Syrah or Malbec, things like that. And uh, you never know. There's there's always going to be a Syrah out there that you'll find that you love. And I've yeah. kind of l- learned to love all those ones that I kind of previously hmm. didn't care for. Another big one, Riesling. Um, is another one of my favorites that I've really grown to love. Um, Riesling was a was a favorite. My palate has been uh, weird because the <laughs> Lori loves telling the story of uh, one of our first dates where she made dinner and gave me a bottle to open, and I was as co- I was confused. I didn't <laughs> know what to do. I mean, I had never drank wine. Yeah. I was twenty. Five mm-hmm. never have never had wine. Well, that's not true. The very very first wine drink that I had was I was working in Illinois. They have off track betting parlors where uh, all you do is go to this building and then watch horse races on TV and you can bet on them from there. Mm-hmm. They don't have those here. Well, anyway, I used to work at one of those, and the manager I was like fifteen. The manager was holding a bottle of Zinfandel, and he's like, "Here, taste this," and it was just horrible. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, but it was probably like mega, mega cheap Zinfandel. Yeah. So then that was my first one. So I've avoided it for ten years. Lori gave me this bottle of wine. I'm like a deer in the headlights, not knowing what to do with this bottle. So she's like, "Open it." I'm like, oh, "Okay," but <laughs> never use a corkscrew before. Yeah. 
It's like, what do you, what do you do? So then she mocked me, of course. And then, and I believe it was Riesling that she had me open. And because all of the drinks that I liked when I was younger were super sweet drinks. Yeah. Like the Long Island iced teas and the rum and Cokes and like all of these super, super sweet drinks. That Mm -hmm. Riesling tasted really, really good. But I don't know. In my old age, everything is different. Yeah. And for the past year, I would say I have not want I my palate for whites is completely gone. Really? Gone. Like I even the driest well, it can still be sweet. The even the driest and what the winemakers or the notes say that is the least sweet white. Uh-huh. I drink it and it feels like I'm drinking um you know, just sugar. Like I'm just like super like it still seems sweet to you. It still seems really? mega, mega sweet. That like is, I could drink it if I diluted it with uh, like half and half with with water, then it would be. Oh, I thought you were going to say half and half. Like, no, half, I was like, <laughs> a little creamy wine. I'm out of here. A little creamy rose. Sinful. Uh, cream, creamy Riesling. <laughs> <laughs> that could be something. No, no, no. it can't. And it won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just been completely gone. Like I've not like when we've gone to tasting, I don't even ask for the white part of it. Yeah. I mean, I'll take a drink uh, because Lori, Lori still likes it. Uh, So I'll share one or two Uh from Lori's. But just not the only exception I've made is uh, rosé. And that's because Lori bought like a whole lot of rosé. And she I mean, it's just always there. So I just I've had it. But it's a lot of good Washington rosés, though. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. So my part of the wine shelf is full of Malbecs, Capsovs, uh, Syrahs, and that's mostly it, I think. That's it. I love it. But it's like I can drink it all anytime. Yeah. Like it's it's noon, but actually a glass of Malbec does. <laughs> all right. I know. We should have grabbed one. I said no. For those listening, I said no, thank you. He offered it. And should now I open I, now one? Now I regret it. Uh, should we? Maybe we might as well. This would be a good time to. <laughs> this would be a good time to uh, stop for a commercial break. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Carlos from CZ Media and the CZ Media Podcast. Now I know that my audience is full of professionals, and they're most likely on LinkedIn. Have you been on LinkedIn, had someone try to network with you, and you think, oh my goodness, is that the profile picture you're choosing as an introduction? That's how you're introducing yourself to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to network with you. Now, take a look at your profile picture. What does that say? Does it say professional? If it doesn't, then you need to contact me. I make it easy for you to have that professional profile picture. A photo that's going to say, yes, I'm a professional, and yes, you want to network with me. You can come to my studio. I'm located in Seattle's Mount Baker neighborhood, or I can pack up my stuff and I can go to you. Visit my website, carlos-zamora.com, or click the link in the show notes for more information. Let me help you improve your networking. And we're back. We've decided to pour a glass of um, Kapsov. It was my favorite. Well, this particular one's not my favorite, just the (laughs) overall. Well, now we can't talk about which one it is then. (laughs) No. Okay, that's true. But that's okay. All I'll say is it's not Nine Hats. Oh. And I do love the Nine Hats cab. The Nine Hats 
reserve cab. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. I would say top tied for top three ever for me. Really? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I I like I when I tasted it, it was like this is amazing. And then I bought a bottle. Well, Lori bought a bottle, and then she got super mad at me because I drank it. (laughs) By myself. I think I remember you telling me. Oh, yeah. She got mad. (laughs) She got mad that I drank it. But and I did not drink it um, haphazardly. I drank it intentionally. Yeah. Enjoying it. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you have people over, you open up a couple bottles and you're feeling good. And then, hey, it's a good idea to open up the stuff we're saving. Yeah. And then you don't enjoy it. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Good. And uh, we have one. We did get another bottle, but I should probably get a couple more because it is super. I yeah, I love it. It was it's my favorite. My favorite. The next one I would say is a new one that I tasted from um, Alexandra and Nicole. They're in. Uh, they have a tasting room in. Woodenville. In, in Woodenville. Yeah. But their main one is in Prosser. Yeah. It's great. We just joined that wine club as well. As you should. Have you, uh, you should go stay at, they've got these really cool little like small homes. Yeah. Out on their vineyards. Right. I've, I still want to do that. The I think little, it looks so beautiful. Little tiny homes. Yeah. No, what, what got us was that they were, well, first they were really friendly. And then second, they, in their tasting room in Prosser, they have a members only lounge. Nice. <laughs> Which, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's like people want to be, people want to feel like they're part of something exclusive, right? Totally. And then, so they have this members only lounge, but then they also have a members only secret like room where you have to open up a bookshelf. Like it's like the bat cave. I love it. You open it. It's like like a speakeasy. Yeah, exactly. And you can go there. So we're already making plans to, to go and use that room for whatever reason. <clears throat> um, Fun. but yeah, so we were drinking the caps up. So you came here, so you're an actor. Do you sing? I do. In Ooh. fact, yeah, that uh, we've got a piano in the tasting room uh, at Nine Hats uh, down in Soto, and uh, that was uh, lovingly put there by uh, Kathleen Shoup, who's the wife of the founder of the winery. Mm. Uh, he's also the founder of Long Shadows Vintners, which is a beautiful winery. Um, so he has two. Uh, yeah, so Long Shadows Vintners is, uh, I kind of refer to it as the parent winery to Nine Hats. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Alan Shoup, uh, before he started Long Shadows, he uh, was the CEO of Chateau St. Michel for mm. 17 years. Uh, so he's a big, big name in the wine industry right. here in Washington. Uh, but he started Long Shadows and he brought in nine international winemakers uh, from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, some of the best of the best in the industry worldwide into Washington to use Washington fruit to make the wine for Long Shadows. Um, So that's actually where the name Nine Hats comes from. Uh, Nine Hats started out as a secondary label to Long Shadows, um, and it was made by one of those nine winemakers as kind of a tribute, or we say a tip of the hat to the nine winemakers of Long Shadows. So that's where the name Nine Hats comes from. That is cool. Yeah. I'm assuming um, if I had read the About section on the Nine Hats website, I would have learned this. Probably. <laughs> or when you came in and did uh, tasting for the first time and joined the wine club, I probably failed to tell well, you that story because that's uh, part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's. I'm going to be fired. <laughs> no. My boss will hear this and uh, be so disappointed. Well, I mean, my memory <laughs> is horrible. 
I would. Uh, if I probably Lori was tell here, you. Yeah, if Lori was here, I'm sure that she would have said, oh, yeah, don't you remember? And then I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I, anyway. My memory is pretty horrible for just about everything. And uh, Is that why you do this podcast? You go back and listen? And you know, so. Remind yourself of things. I was, who was I listening to? I was listening to some science guy. Not Elon Musk, but one of these guys. Bill Nye? <laughs> He's not real. He's, He's a, a real he's human. He's a cartoon hero. He's a cartoon character. <laughs> Have you gone back and watched him on uh No. On uh, Seattle Live? Uh uh-uh. uh. Oy vey. You go back and watch it, like his first episodes as Bill Nye the Science Guy, which yeah. was on this sketch comedy show just here in Seattle. Oh really? And then you're like, how I didn't can, even know that. How oh yeah. He's he's uh he he's was a he was just a character like Bill, like uh, Jim Carrey's fireman from Mad TV. Yeah, that's Bill Nye from oh, okay. Seattle Live. Interesting. Yeah, like if you go back and watch that, watch those, you would say to yourself, "How can anyone take this guy seriously at <laughs> all about anything? He's just a big goof." Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, <clears throat> no, um, I was listening to this this guy talk about AI. And he says that the average person has posted enough content online to where AI can make them live on for hundreds of years. Making new things, but based off of everything that they've posted, that the AI will be able to say, okay, this person would probably say this. And because there's so much video of us everywhere now, yeah. it'll be as if that person that person was saying there. it. Yeah. So, so they were saying like how, um, you know, people uh, like radio personalities or people who have been on shows where if they really wanted to, they could like right now it could happen. They could hire a company to make this simulation for them to where it'll be it'll be like, let's say, 100 years from now where it's their great grandchildren. That version of them 150 years in the future will be saying new things but based off of everything that they've said through the course of their their life that's, that's a little scary isn't it yeah now so, i want to know what uh i mean if that happened to me it would be new content but it would all be like cat videos rupaul's drag race <laughs> wine horror movies and that's about it and disneyland i'm a big disney freak well, we, okay, I need to. We need to talk about that. Um, I think mine would be fifty percent. He said, she said jokes. <laughs> hey, but there's a lot of good material with those. So. Oh man, yeah, I could keep going. It's um, I like I, I love the he said she said jokes, and they'll never get old. Mm-mm. Even if I annoy my friends till infinity, yeah, it'll never get Which old. Which sounds like you can now with this new uh, technology. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's what that's what they were saying. So me, the, <laughs> these podcasts, who knows? It's like my great grandkids are going to be able to experience my uh, uneducated speak for for generations. <laughs> uh, aren't they lucky? Totally. I think so. So your your love of Disneyland. Just all things Disney. Is that uh, so Disneyland? Obviously, it's the one here in uh, Anaheim. Cut. Yeah, that's the one that I go to more often, most often, uh, just because it's it was closer growing up in Utah. So 
I had more experience with that. So there's more, more nostalgia and more memories attached to it. What's your... Yeah, it's cheaper to get there. So it's <laughs> you, like you've always dug it? Like as a kid, you've always loved it? Yeah, but it's weird. I, I don't think... I, I mean, as a kid, I dug it. As a teenager, I did. Um, but it's just been within these past maybe 10 years that I've kind of really built this obsession with it. Mm. Do they have... Uh, is there streaming service up now? See now I'm not, now I'm gonna sound like a bad uh, a fan because I don't know <laughs> I don't think it is I don't yeah, think I don't it's think fully it is up either. yet. I mean they, they I mean so you're gonna be customer number one to sign up for the uh, probably like if they let you stream everything that would be cool. That's what I'm hoping. I'm not I'm not feeling that that's what's gonna happen though. Yeah, I mean, well, they're gonna have all the Marvel stuff up. I think that's probably yeah. why they're doing it because they want a corner on. They're going to take it all away from Netflix and Hulu and then just have all of the the Marvel stuff on the Disney. Yeah. Honestly, all I need is just like the <laughs> like the classics, the full length animated features, some of the live action ones from the past that were really good. That's Do you all have I a favorite? Need. Is there something that you watch every day where you put the VHS tape in and then just the watch VHS it over, tape. over again? Uh, I, my parents probably still have all those VHS tapes. Hey, they're uh, they're collectibles. They totally are. They're um, I'm pretty sure they still have them somewhere. Uh, no, there's not one that I would watch like religiously every day. But it, if you're asking what my favorite is when it comes to the animated classics, uh, it's got to be Snow White. It's the original. It's the very first one. Um, his contemporaries, Walt Disney's contemporaries at the time, said that he was crazy to make a full-length animated feature. They didn't right. think he would succeed with it. Um, and then he went on to win awards because of it yeah. and have the career that he had. And um, So, so that was Snow kind of, White the first full feature? It was uh, ever of any. It was the first full-length animated movie ever. There was mm. animated shorts, cartoons, things like yeah. that before that, but it was the first full-length animated movie ever. Were you a fan of... What um, what's it called? Once upon a time, that TV show. On you know, I never got into it. Lori was super into that. Yeah, and basically they just took all of Disney characters and put them in a town. I know. You, you would think that I would eat well, that up. You know, you're very but. so. No, what I'm getting from you is you're pretty uh, specific with it because Once Upon a Time wasn't really Disney. It was like just offshoots of it. True. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that because I'm also not like a huge fan of the Disney Channel. Yeah, uh, the shows that are on there, you know I have no I, desire to watch. But. I think that is a very, I wouldn't call that obsession at all. I would just say that you are, you know what you like. And if if it doesn't fall within this, you're okay to say, okay, I don't know anything about it. True. Because I'm the same way with um, sneakers. Oh, really? So I'm a huge sneaker head. Yeah. <clears throat> but. He I, says barefoot. <laughs> I don't know if I can believe it. You know, it's so funny. I really, I think wearing shoes is a, uh. A major chore and way too much work. Ugh. I almost never am barefoot because you just don't like the. You don't like people seeing your feet, or you I don't, don't like <laughs> the feeling of the ground on your feet. Probably that. I'm afraid I'm going to step on something. Yeah, I don't know. Lori's the same way. Yeah, I just I always have at least socks on. Mm. I would I would be barefoot every day, yeah. all day. It's like when I do put shoes on, I feel like I have cement shoes on. Really? I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I love I love being barefoot. And nothing cuts me. <laughs> well. 
I mean, there's your superpower. That's my superpower. No, when I was a kid, we would go to Mexico and my grandparents lived in this tiny little ranch town mm-hmm. where it was like, it was out in the middle of desert. There was nothing there, nothing green. Uh-huh. It was all rocks, smaller rocks and slightly smaller rocks. <laughs> That's all that there was. Yeah. <clears throat> Houses were made out of adobe and uh, I would be barefoot all the time walking across jagged rocks. And I think I've just built up. It's like, like they're not callous, I would say, <laughs> but I walk. I think what it did is that it let me walk. I've, I've explained this this way before, where I think that my feet have little microscopic, tiny whiskers the way that like spiders do <laughs> to where if they sense something, they instantly communicate <laughs> to the rest of my foot and saying, you know, don't put pressure or stop yeah. or, you know, whatever, something. Where I can I can do that. It's your superpower. It is. <laughs> I love it. I'm only a quarter of the way into this caps off, but uh, I think that's <laughs> enthralling. <laughs> well, you know, um, since we're on this feet thing, I'll continue it. Here we go. It uh, when I was a kid and playing <laughs> basketball, uh-huh. I used to get, uh, I used to get ingrown toenails all the time. And I'm going to need more wine if we're going to talk about that. Are you? Are you squeamish? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Go ahead. And then finally, after about the eighth one, four on each foot, the doctor said, you know, this is going to keep happening. So why don't you just remove your toenails? Have no toenails to ingrown. So I'm like, okay, go ahead. Cut them off. Completely. Or take them off. Yeah. That's interesting. Your eyes. Are you working hard not to look down to look at my toenails? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little terrified. And I love horror. I love all things horror. That but is, on the screen or on page. That is so. That's like. <laughs> uh, that's like when you're talking to a girl and she references something about her chest. The willpower it takes to not look Your down. Your head starts to shake. It's like I, Your face goes red. It's like you're talking about it. <laughs> that should give me license to look down. <laughs> I know. I'm afraid if I look down, you're going to be like, my eyes are up here. Exactly. But, but you just reference to them. Aren't I allowed to um, assess your statement? <laughs> and... That's funny because I'll like, look eventually like you made like even more like you did one of these, like even more like <laughs> I could see the thought in your head saying, don't, oh, look yeah. down, don't look down. Well, anyway, they cut them off. And then, of course, my toes look weird. But when uh, so this happened when I was 15 or like 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. And for the next 10 years, I got super self-conscious about it. So I would always wear socks, never wear sandals, mm-hmm. just like always have it. And then I don't know, something switched. You're like, I don't care anymore. It's like, who does, who cares? It's like, I mean, come on. It's like, I'm fat. I'm fat. (laughs) Uh, I'm not particularly smart. There are plenty of other things you can make fun of me besides my weird toes. (laughs) I'm okay with it. So it's like, yeah, now it doesn't matter. Um, Where were we going? Oh, shoes. (laughs) The. um, Oh, yeah, your sneaker fetish. My sneaker. Well, right. So you're very, I I sort of want to say focused. Uh, on your on your Disney fandom, right? Focused with any 
any, I, I know you said not obsession, but with any obsession that I have sure, or anything I'm interested <laughs> in, it is very focused. It's not right. like an overall reaching. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's the way it should be because otherwise then you're a hoarder <laughs> if you don't have focus. And it can become all consuming. Yeah. Then it's like, you don't, you, I mean, something is missing in your life where you just have to fill it with absolutely everything. Yeah. But if it's focused, it means that you know what you like. <clears throat> For sure. So with my sneakers, um, I do have about 60 or 70 pairs, but they're only Jordans. Mm-hmm. Like I don't collect any other, like a lot of sneakerheads, they collect everything. Like little, all yeah. Air Force Ones are all up tempos or all these. And I don't do that. I just, they're purely Jordans. So it's I think it's perfectly okay to uh to have a like something that you're super super mega into. Mm-hmm. Uh but if I were to go to your place, would it be Disney everywhere? No. Okay. No. Um maybe one thing in my entire place. The has bathroom. Any Disney reference? No, I just have this cute little like Mickey Mouse uh mm-hmm. Minnie and Mickey statue thing that's kind of tucked away um my wardrobe on the other hand uh definitely has some uh, disney presence in it well not everything well that's another area that's another indicator that um you are focused uh because if you had like disney wallpaper right disney everything on your bookshelves yeah then i'll be like jonathan no that's not me (laughs) That's not me. Even this uh, this tattoo right here, I've got on my arm, I've got these uh, two little stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been wanting to get something, uh, because Disney's been a big part of my life for a long time. I wanted to get something permanent on me that kind of represented that and paid respect to that love. Yeah. Uh, and it's also kind of going to Disneyland with the friends that I go with has kind of solidified our friendship and uh, become this meaningful experience for us as well. But Is I also, it the same group? It's uh, almost every time uh, that I've gone uh, in the past five or six years, it's been the exact same people every That's time. That's cool. Um, it just gives us a chance to get together again and Are catch up. Are they from here or from Utah? Utah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, this tattoo, uh, I wanted to get something, but I didn't want to just like have a big Mickey Mouse on my chest, you know? Uh, I wanted to get That'd something cool. that was... <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to get something that was representative of it, but also didn't just say like in your face Disney. So I sure. got these little stars and they kind of represent um, uh, When You Wish Upon a Star, which yeah. is my favorite song of all time. Uh, and then uh, the whole uh, second start of the right straight until morning from Peter Pan, the whole Neverland okay. uh, thing. Um, there you go. So, yeah, something simple, but not like full blown obsession. Sure. Well. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that that's what it was. Right. Which I don't know. I mean, that was probably. That was the purpose. Yeah, that was the purpose. Yeah. I would, yeah, I don't I don't think I would have had any inclinations as to what it was. I'll be like, okay, he likes Star. Although that one sort of looks like the Mariner Star. Oh, yeah. Go Mariners. Go I guess. Mariners. I have a friend <laughs> who has this huge Mariners tattoo on her on her forearm. She really loves the Mariners. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I love horror. My You did say horror, right? Horror. Not horror. No, horror. Whores. <laughs> not whores. <laughs> I mean. Good thing Lori's not here. <laughs> uh no, I love horror too, as well. I 
Okay, I'm I'm gonna do a <laughs> sidetrack here. I've been I've been thinking a lot about like words mm-hmm. and what they mean, sort of because I recently I went back and watched all of the Matrix movies, and in the second Matrix, are you familiar with the Matrix movies? Shamefully, no. I've seen the first one, but it's been years, <laughs> so and this, then I never followed up with the others. So, well, I mean, I think they're cool, and actually, they're thinking about making another one. But in the second one, Neo is stuck in the middle between the Matrix and the real world. He's stuck in this. Is this a spoiler alert? No. Okay. This is just a one part of this. Just making I mean, sure. Actually, you know he's in this place at the end of the first one. Oh, right. Okay. So he's in, but it's the they represent it as a train station. Mm-hmm. And then he meets, so it's a way for programs to leave the Matrix and go to real Earth, which I still don't quite understand how that works. But anyway, he meets this programmer there, and then Neo says, Neo says, um, why are you leaving? And then the programmer says, well, because my wife and my daughter, I want to take them someplace safe. And mm-hmm. then Neo's like, why? He's like, because I love them. And then Neo's like, but you're a computer program. How can you know love? And then the computer program goes, no, it's not the word. It's the meaning behind the word. Well, anyway, <clears throat> that's sort of where my head was a little bit at when I'm thinking about this. Because then we watched, when, when we were at Nine Hats and we were watching Willow, mm-hmm. they were calling Willow Peck. Oh. And then it sort of got me thinking, it's like, what does that even mean, first of all? But then in my, uh, well... My edible and my uh, mimosa thought <laughs> th- uh, thinking process later. I kept I, I just was just sort of thinking it's like w- like why like why is Peck derogatory for Willow? And obviously it's ridiculous, right? Looking at it from the outside, yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then it's like how come people get so crazy when they hear other words? It's like if you just step outside from that. It means nothing. Like, for example, if you go to almost any other country and you uh, give them the middle finger, they're yeah. Like what it like even in Mexico, you give go to Mexico, give someone a finger, they're gonna be like okay. Like they do their signals in a different way, right? And then it just started. It just made made me think. It's like it doesn't. None of it matters. <laughs> yeah. Like none of it at all matters. So why are why why is it so nutty? Yeah. All of the sudden. Well, anyway, that that was like a big time deviation. No, I love it, though. The <clears throat> meaning behind the words. Because, well, I don't know. I'm a very what difference does it make type of person. Like what difference when Lori uh, is super nervous about something, which she has, which she shouldn't be nervous about. Yeah. It's like, well, calm down. Like, I mean, I don't know. Do you, <laughs> like. I've been with her 19 years. I can tell her to calm down. (laughs) And she doesn't want to cut your throat when you say that. (laughs) Well, because I usually back, I usually say, let's calm down here. You know, X, Y, and Z. Like you shouldn't worry about this because of X, Y, Z. So she doesn't kill me. So there's, it's not just a calm down woman. (laughs) It's a, (laughs) a, hopefully she hears it as in uh, my love. Let's not worry about this. It's covered. Let's focus on X, Y, Z. Well, then just say it that way. I just condense it to just (laughs) calm down. Okay. I'm going way off the tracks here. All the women listening to this podcast now are like, oh, that bastard. 
You know, I'm uh, I'm just kidding. I think I'm super lucky that all of our friends are okay with my with my verbiage, I should say. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm talking a lot about my wife here, but I call Lori wife. Mm-hmm. So when we're in a, when we're anywhere, I'll say wife, and then you know this. And it's so funny the reactions that we've gotten from people. Where um, we were in Mexico uh, in Jul- in July, and our friends had their family there too. So we have friends in Mexico. But their family, who was from L.A., were visiting them, too. And they were a bunch of little kids, mm-hmm. were like 10 to 15-year-olds. <clears throat> and we're, uh, we took a boat day. So we're on this boat with a bunch of kids. And then um, I wanted to ask Lori if she wanted me to get her something. So I said, wife, would you like me to get you anything? And then one of the kids said, why do you call her wife? She has a name. <laughs> and I just thought that it was Coming from this one particular kid, yeah. I thought it was really interesting that he's the one who picked up on that. Yeah. Mostly because he just gave the the he gave the sense of being a real just like a sensitive kid. Uh-huh. Um and like I don't know, the whole needed his feelings uh, acknowledged. And I thought then I thought, yeah, if anyone was gonna say anything. It was going to be this kid <laughs> as to why I call my wife wife. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, anyway, um, yeah, I'm way off here, but it's it's good. I did this whole. I see this whole thing started because of horror. Yeah. We're a big horror fan. I was just going to say that. I bring it back now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a horror fan. I am, but I also wouldn't say like we were saying before. Wouldn't say obsession. Um, I am. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't have anything. Uh, hanging in my house <laughs> as I'm looking at a few awesome things. And it kind of makes me wish that I did. Uh, Carlos has a pretty good uh, collection here of horror memorabilia. And that's sign- a good word for me. Collector. What's that? Co- that's a good adjective for me. Collector. collector. I like it. It also sounds like a, isn't there a horror movie called the collector? There is yeah. Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. That's the bone collector. Yeah. Well, anyway, the collector is just this dude in a mask. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't have any uh, memorabilia or any any collections or anything like that at home. Um, but I love all horror movies, even the bad ones. I will still go see them. I'll roll my eyes and cringe at the worst <laughs> of the worst, but I'll leave the theater thinking that was a fun evening. Um, or do you have a, a, a specific subgenre of horror? I, I don't. Uh, well, I guess if I was forced to pick, um, I I mean, Halloween's my ultimate favorite, the original Ooh. 1978. Uh, it's, High five. It's the best. I, uh, and all of the iterations of it, I've enjoyed even the, the bad ones, yeah. like the one with Tyra Banks, which was horrible. What was that one? Uh, <laughs> Resurrection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, so I guess that, I guess that I, not necessarily the slasher genre. I guess I guess I guess that's what I would say. I I love those movies. I love movies where there's the innocent person that's alone at home being terrorized by somebody. Yeah. Um, what was that? There's a there's one on uh, Netflix that I thought was really good. I forget the name of it, but it was this. Uh, the the uh, main protagonist is this uh, deaf woman, and there's right. It's called Hush. Yes. Yeah. 
So stuff like that. I I don't know. I I uh, that I, was really good. 